Hey, this is Cooper Smith. I'm one of the student worship pastors at Eastview, and I'm honored to welcome you to our Eastview Students High School podcast. We hope this is encouraging, inspiring, and helpful for you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy the message. I have a question to start out for you guys. Let me ask this. If I wanted to get to know you without having ever spoken to you before, where would be the place I could go to know what makes you, you? Where in your world would I go, if I've never spoken to you before, where would I go to know what makes you, you? I would suggest that if I want to know your identity, if I want to know who you are, I would go to the number one place where your identity is on full display. Do you guys have an idea in your mind where that is? Your room. Your room. Okay? I'm suggesting that your room, a high school, typical high school student's room, is where I could go and see who you are. Things like pictures all over the room, maybe your trophies, maybe flags, maybe posters. Some of you, if I want to know your identity and I go into your room, your identity is slob. I know that's true for some of you guys, but I remember growing up, my room had this shelf full of all of my trophies from like really young age all the way up through high school. I, I wanted to put all my plaques up there. I wanted to put um, like my, my uh, what are they called? Like the certificates? Yeah, certificates and medals and all those things. I, I wanted that on my shelf and I wanted that on full display because that was the place that I could look at and be really proud of, but also say, this is a piece of me. This is a piece of who I am. And, and what's interesting is, is I have found that I think this changes over time. That when you get older, your room becomes more and more boring. When you're younger, you have all those different pictures and stuff on the walls, but now I, I, I sat up in my room this morning and I looked around, I have nothing on my walls. Absolutely nothing. It's as plain as it can be. And I'm like, I guess this is what happens. But there's also places when you're older that I think we can find a bit of who we are. So I kind of had some fun this week and I went around to our staff offices and I took pictures of our desks and our office areas to try and get a picture of who we might be. So I thought it might be fun to kind of look at the different setups and kind of understand the identities of our different staff members. So let's go ahead and throw this first slide up. This is Cooper's desk, okay? Clearly, right away, I see the Dwight Schrute Dunder Mifflin Cup, so I'm guessing part of Cooper's identity is he's a big office fan, okay? We, We make fun of this. He's got that Bears coach Mike Ditka bobblehead. We like to think it's Adolf Hitler, but he's got that. Okay, he's also got over here, he's got a couple candles here, so Cooper's a little bougie like that. All right, there's also that picture in the background that looks like he was in a big city, probably a big trip, a defining trip for him that he went on with people. Okay, he's also got this random squishy hamburger. I I can't tell you what that explains about him. But also, if you look in that right-hand corner, you see Cooper with his two siblings, Reagan and Gibson. So he's a good brother, guys. Really sweet. Okay, cool. Let's go to the next one. Okay, this is Rich's desk. So as you can see here, if you look on the right, more pictures. So he's a family guy. That'd be 
an identity marker for him. I'm looking up top, I see this Lincoln Christian University cup, probably because his son Brett goes to Lincoln, so proud dad moment. If you look over there, he's got this cool compass on the left side. If you also look, he's got some pictures of him fishing and stuff like that. So he's kind of an outdoorsman. That would be how you'd probably define rich as well. And also there's a bunch of just random notes spread out everywhere. So maybe he's a little scatterbrained sometimes. (laughs) Come on, Rich says. All right, let's go to the next one. Okay, this is Kim's desk. Milk Duds fan, apparently. Um, Looks like she's got a couple, a few notes here, encouraging notes from people. So um, she's someone that probably likes words of affirmation. That's something that she cherishes. And again, this must run in the family, but here's another candle. Okay, the Smiths love their candles. And also a, a couple succulents in the back. So again, bougie family. All right, let's go to our next staff member. This is Mel's desk. Uh, if you look up in the top left, again, pictures of family. Uh, I, re- I wish Joel was in here. Uh, my favorite picture is Joel's serious photo up there in the top, just looking straight ahead all serious. Um, looks like she's got some sort of game at the bottom, so maybe it likes to play games. But also, I, the, my favorite part about this is her standing desk. She's always standing. She's never sitting. So probably a really active person identity-wise. Okay, let's move to the last one. This is my office, okay? This is one of my walls. So as you can see up here, I've got a bunch of notes up there that have been written to me that I cherish a lot. Words of affirmation is my love language, and so I like to hold those up there. If you look uh, to the top left, that was my training schedule for the half marathon, okay? Something I was really proud of. Again, you can see this big Cubs picture, and I've got an autographed baseball right there from Ben Zobris, World Series MVP, all right, big time Cubs fan. If you look down at the lower right, that's a picture of a lion that my sister drew for me. Um, So again, uh, I love my sisters, and that was just really cool that she did that for me. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, This is my other wall. Uh, If you look at the bottom right, that is a schedule of when Kentucky won the national championship. I'm a big Kentucky fan. But also, if you look above my whiteboard there, I, I had this thing that says the preachers are coming, this big board, and that was a sermon that my great-grandfather gave at Lincoln Christian University. He gave this sermon, and his big key phrase was, the preachers are coming. And I have that up there because I am also striving to be a preacher, and, and so that's really cool to have up there a piece of identity. I think I have one more picture. Yeah, so I have a couple of my... Um, certificates and diplomas up there in terms of studying because that's just a piece of who I am. So there you go. I, I have to think that we have these places in our lives, these defining moments, these special things that lead towards one thing, and that is your identity. And I would suggest that your identity, what you value the most, what you find your worth in is one of the most important things about you. And if it's one of the most important things about you, if that is the case, why do we get this idea so messed up? Why do we get identity and what we find our worth in so messed up? I hear these things all the time. I'm having an identity crisis. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want to do or who I want to be when I grow up. 
Without this, or without this in my life, I don't know where I'd be. What is my purpose? All of these sentences, all of these questions hint towards this root of identity. And as we continue in this I Am series, Moses asks the identity question. Who am I? This statement comes right before God has just explained that he is aware. I am aware of the suffering that is happening in Egypt, and I'm no longer going to allow this to happen. So, if you guys have your Bibles, open up to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read verses 10 and 11. Only two verses to follow along with today. We're going to keep it really simple, but again, I think... This idea of identity and this question that Moses asks is crucial to your faith as a high school student answering this question and pondering this question, who am I? Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 10, God says to Moses, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Now, I want to notice Moses' response here. And I want to take a deep dive at what Moses is saying in this passage because I think it's really interesting and I think we can get it a little confused at first, so hang with me. Moses does protest this request by God here, not this request, this command by God here to go and rescue my people. Moses protests this idea. So clearly he isn't for this. Clearly he doesn't think this is the best idea, but it is not necessarily because of a lack of self-confidence. It's not that Moses is not confident here to do the task. This actually is a question that Moses is asking here. Instead of, who am I to do all of these things, he's really asking, okay, God, who is it here that's actually going to be doing the work? Who's the one that's actually going to be leading? I, I know you're saying me, and I know you're saying I'm the one to lead, but who is it here that's actually going to be doing this miracle? Because if it is just Moses, if it is just Moses going by himself, he understands that he has no chance at convincing Pharaoh to release two million slaves. He understands that there's no way. If I'm going by myself and I'm doing this all alone, there's no way this is going to happen. And I think in this statement, we can learn a lot from Moses and what he sees as his identity and what we can see as our identity. Because I think this is a really humble response that Moses has. Really, that identity that Moses is talking about here is, I am powerless without you. God, if you're telling me to go and I'm going to do this, if you're not with me, I am powerless to do this. And so really, Moses is going beyond the question of who am I. He's really asking, who am I without you? Because without God intervening in Moses' life in this story, we talked about this, right? Moses is outcast. He is foreigner. He is murderer. 
This is Moses' story, and if God doesn't intervene in Moses' life, this is who he is. I'm telling you what, Moses is outcast, murderer, nobody, foreigner. That guy cannot do what God is asking him to do. He can't. There's no way that Pharaoh listens to a guy like that. And I think this is such wisdom from Moses because this acknowledgement is something I think that we do a poor job at in our culture. I think we do a poor job at acknowledging that we can't do anything without Jesus. Let me give you an example. Our culture says that you can be whatever you want to be. I love what Ruthie said, too, that culture tries to define who you are. But culture also says, be whoever you want to be. You should never let something, you should never let someone get in the way from who you want to be or what makes you happy. And you know what? Some of that is true, and I get that. But also, if we let that message sink in, what happens is our identity becomes wrapped in whatever we think makes us happy. If, if I am happy doing this, or if I am happy pursuing this thing, then my identity is going to be wrapped up in this because culture says, culture says that I can do that and I can be whatever I want to be and I can do whatever I want and no one can get in my way. That's what culture says. But our identity becomes wrapped up in this. Two identity questions I want to pose for us that come up all the time. Who are you? And tell me about yourself. Those are interesting questions, right? Do you guys ever get those? You probably get those questions all the time. I know I do. That's the thing when you want to get to know someone. Who are you? And tell me a little bit about yourself. And it's interesting because I was thinking this week how the answers to those questions change over the years. If I were to go up to a young child, maybe like four years old, and I were to go up to him and say, hey, tell me about yourself. I'm guessing a young child would first be really confused. What in the world does that mean? Because they don't quite know what their identity is yet. At four years old, did you know what your identity was? But maybe they'd say something like, I'm four years old, or here is my favorite truck, or here is my favorite doll, right? They tell you those things because that's kind of their world. That's what they would maybe define as, tell me about yourself. Well, here's my favorite truck. I like this, right? And then we move into high school. And what's the thing? If I were to come up to you and ask, hey, tell me about yourself, I'm guessing you would answer maybe the grades you are in school, maybe what extracurricular activities you do, your sports, your hobbies, maybe you play video games, right? This is what you'd say. But then you go to college and I find this all the time. If you go up to a college student and you say, hey, tell me about yourself, almost always they'll say what town they're from. You'll say, hey, tell me about yourself. Oh, I, I'm Zach. I'm from normal Illinois. And then they'd say, oh, I'm studying this. Or this is my degree. That's the answer to that question. And then you get into the adult world, and this is almost always the case. If you go up to someone and you say, hey, tell me about yourself. Well, my name's Zach, and I work at Eastview Christian Church, right? And we have the job. So it's interesting how these things change, but did you guys find it interesting that those are the go-to identity markers? That when I ask you, I ask someone, someone asks you to tell me about yourself, those are the things we bring up? Because it's interesting, 
Those things don't last. They just don't. There's a reason why today, at age 16, 17, 18, if I say, tell me about yourself, you go to your toy bin and say, this is my favorite truck. You don't do that anymore. Because your identity is being formed and the things that used to form your identity are no longer the things that define yourself. Yet, we want to choose to focus on the things that are so temporary in who we are. Listen, I know we keep talking about COVID and 2020, and to be honest, I'm sick and tired of talking about it, but I want to go to the root of why I think this has been such a difficult time for high school students. I want to talk about why I think this could be a time that you guys are really struggling right now. And it's because our identity is wrapped up in so many other things besides being chosen and loved by Jesus. They're wrapped up in so many temporary things, so many things that don't last, that when those things get taken away and we don't rest in the fact that we're chosen and loved by Jesus, we spiral out of control. Let me give you some examples. If your identity, if this morning your identity has been wrapped up in a sport, Talk about a major shakeup in your life that you can no longer have sports. I mean, that would be crushing if that is your identity. I was thinking about this and, and imagining if I was back in high school, and guys, my identity, a lot of it was wrapped up in basketball. And, and I have a hard time imagining how I would not have spiraled out of control if I had to imagine not having my senior year of basketball. Because that was just the core of who I am. That's who I was in high school. And if that was ripped from me, man, that would have been, it would have been bad. Maybe for some of you, if your identity has been wrapped up in how popular you are at school, how's it been not being around all those people, not being in school? A lot of you guys just heard the announcement that you're now back at home. You're not around people anymore. And all of a sudden, if your identity was wrapped up in your popularity at school, now you're trying to be popular at home. Can I be popular with my family? We're, we're laughing. That must have some thoughts behind it. Maybe your identity was wrapped up in how many friends you have. How's it been that probably your friend circle has been shrinked and you only have a few now that you can be around? That can be really hard. Maybe you're struggling with feelings of loneliness because you're not around all of those friends that you used to be or you're not around people anymore because that was a piece of your identity and now it's gone. If your identity maybe was wrapped up in your social media presence, we've all seen what's, what's been happening on social media. It ain't all good. I just, here's the truth, guys. If the core of your identity if what you find your worth in, if, if what you invest the most time in is something other than being chosen and loved by Jesus, you're going to find disappointment. You're going to find struggle. You're going to find loss. You're going to find just being lost and not knowing where to go next. And Moses, at least for this part, he got it right when he asked, who am I? Because it's true, if it weren't for God, he would have been done for. 
Moses would have walked right up to Pharaoh. Without, if, if, he was, if he was without God, he's probably struck dead on the spot. Moses stood no chance, but he isn't. God, first in this passage, he gives him a purpose, and then he tells him, I'm going to be with you in this. You're not going to be alone. I'm going to go with you. And I want to point out one last thing from this passage. Moses has a humble response here in this passage. I I don't want to get over that. This is a good question from Moses. Who am I? Who am I without you? But if if you go on and read this passage, if you were to look farther into chapter 3, you're going to see that Moses continues to give excuses for this mission that God has for him. He's going to continue to bring up things about himself that aren't the fact that God has called him to make an excuse to why he shouldn't go. Moses brings up things like he's poor of speech, he's, he's outcasted, he's by himself. He brings up all of these things, and what Moses is really doing here is God calls him to something awesome. He calls him towards himself, and Moses disqualifies himself because of the things he identifies with that aren't being chosen by God. That should be enough for him. And here's the thing, I think a lot of us are really quick to disqualify ourselves from the calling and the love of God. I think we're so quick to disqualify ourselves. Let me give you some examples of what I think high schoolers do to disqualify themselves. Number one, I think we disqualify ourselves because of our sin. I think we look at our sin and say, how in the world could God love me if I'm struggling with this? Guys, here's Moses. He's a murderer. He's a murderer. He's probably wondering in this passage, why in the world would I go back there? I murdered a dude there. And some of us in here, we immediately disqualify ourselves from God loving us because how could God love a wretch and a mess up like me? But here's the truth. God calls Moses even after he's been outcasted. Even after he's murdered someone, God still uses him. If God can use a murderer to free two million people, he can use you guys. And he can love you guys. That's number one. We disqualify ourselves because of sin. Number two, I think we disqualify ourselves because of our doubt. And I've talked about this before, but Moses in this passage, he he doubts God's calling and he doubts the purpose and he doubts this plan. Like, God, are you sure? I don't think I can do this. He says things like, they won't listen to me. Pharaoh's going to kill me. How do I know you'll be with me? And here's the truth. I think a lot of us in here, if we're being honest with ourselves, we struggle with doubt. And we struggle with faith and believing in God or believing where he's calling us. And the truth of the matter is, guys, doubt does not disqualify you from being chosen and being loved by God. It doesn't. If you are in here this morning and you are having some major doubts, hear this, that does not disqualify you. Jesus still loves you and he still calls you to himself. Even if you're wrestling with some real faith questions. Number one, we disqualify ourselves because of sin. Number two, we disqualify ourselves because of doubt. And number three, we disqualify ourselves because of the place or the life circumstance that we're in. Example, covid 2020, our family, where we're at. Guys, Moses is just a simple shepherd in this story. He's just a shepherd minding his flock when God calls him. 
This is not the ideal circumstance to be called and to be loved by God. Yet God shows up for him. And let me tell you this. If God used Moses from all the way out in the wilderness at age 80, God can use you here in Bloomington Normal at age 16. We disqualify ourselves because of sin. We disqualify ourselves because of doubt. We disqualify ourselves because of life circumstances. Can we just push that all to the side, guys? And can we, can we rest in the fact that those things do not disqualify us from the love of Jesus? Here's the thing. 2020, yes, it's shaken up a lot of our lives. It's left a lot of people lost. It's left a lot of you probably floating, probably struggling. Can I just encourage you to ask this one thing? Who am I without Jesus? Can you guys ask that question of yourselves? Just think about that. Who am I without Jesus? Because once you realize that the answer to that question is something that's not worth pursuing, being separated from Jesus and not identifying yourself with Jesus, then you can choose to rest in something that actually matters. So yes, COVID really stinks. And it's taken away a lot. But your identity as a child of God, your identity of being loved, died for, risen again, Jesus does these things. That identity has not changed, will not change, will never change, period. That's who you guys are. So yes, you're going to deal with loss. You're going to deal with hard things. Things are going to go away. Pieces of your identity that you thought were who you are are going to be stripped away. That's never going to be taken away. I want to go back real quick to the slide. If you could pull that back up, the one with the preachers are coming. It's interesting because I was wrestling through this passage, and I'm like, yeah, I, I want to stick to an identity piece like something like this, that I'm a preacher, that the preachers are coming. But as I thought about this, that's really not my identity either. Because of the truth of the matter is, we could get 20 years down the road and preaching's no longer a thing. I don't know, maybe. But that's not my identity. My identity is that I'm deeply loved by Jesus, who died for every bit of me and called me his. That's my identity. That's what I rest in. And so maybe when I ask you guys or when you ask yourselves, who am I? You say something like maybe 1 John 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Or maybe you run to something like 1 Peter 2.9, That you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Or maybe your identity is Ephesians 2.13, that you have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Or my favorite passage, Ephesians 2.10, for you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good work which he prepared beforehand that you should walk in that. Let me pray. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the message, we'd love it if you would join us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for our Eastview Students High School service. 
We also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and share it to your social media accounts. To stay up to date, check us out on Instagram at Eastview HSM and check out our Eastview Students YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.